Last week we came to you from the book of Genesis, and we'll be doing that again today. Um, we are in Genesis chapter 1 to start out with, and we'll, we'll bounce around to some other areas. You uh, will see it come up on the screen um, as well. And our first passage of scripture we're going to look at is in Genesis chapter 1, and we're we'll looking at verses 26 and 27. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. While you're turning there, Today, uh, in society, there's a lot of talk about the concept of diversity. Diversity, but it's kind of inconsistent in its application. But I wanted to, we talked about it maybe a little bit last week, but the concept of diversity in the Godhead. We've talked to, we'll talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to expound on some of that today. As we begin our scripture, we'll be laying some of those foundations foundational ground, uh, that groundwork as we think about this concept and how it applies into the family and how to even it applies to our understanding of our relationship between Christ and his church. So in Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Then God said, and we talked about last week, this Elohim is the Hebrew word there. It's in the plural form. Let us make man in our own image. So The Godhead is not singular, it's plural. We have, as we said, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we contrasted with last week that the God of the uh, Quran, or Quran, I guess I should be saying. Uh, I might have had it right the first time, I get it mixed up. But you know what I mean? The, The God of the Islam's Bible does not have that diversity. It's singular. It is not relational by nature. The attributes of the the Islam God is different than the Christian God. In the Christian God, we are triune. We believe in the Trinity. The Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so we established last week that our triune Godhead is relational by nature. In the Godhead, there is relational. They have a relationship desires a relationship with us, and in our marriages and in our families, there are relationship, and God desires us to build a relationship with him. It says, love the Lord your God with all and your neighbor as yourself. So relationship with him and relationships with others. That's in the very nature of God, and we were created in his image. We're created for the relationship. We have relationships husband and wife, we have relationships, family, we have relationships, friends and neighbors. But we start out here, and some of these foundational truths is he created them male and female. Male and female. In the creating of them male and female together completes the image of God, so there's some attributes of a woman that are like God, and attributes of a man that are like God, and 
together they are in the image of God. There's uniqueness. God did not say male and male. He did not create woman and woman. It's male and female. There's two of them to complete the image of God. It takes both. And so there's some attributes and some diversity in that statement. It's very inconsistent as diversity is applied today. And they want diversity of people and diversity of types of people, but they seem to be trying to blend the diversity of male and female together or to switch them about as though they can be equated. We for a long time have heard the songs and the conversations of Anything you can do, she can do, I can do better, and he can do, I can do better. That, that battle between not recognizes we have God-given attributes that make us unique as male and female. We talked a little bit on a small group this week that we are different in the standpoint as a man has a larger brain but the woman's work more efficiently, so maybe she doesn't need as much. We talked about how the left and right brain are separated for, a, for a, uh, a male. Happens when they're being developed in the womb. Testosterone comes and burns the separation. So we don't communicate left to right brain as well as a woman might, but also a man is physically stronger. And I could go on and name the attributes, but you can think about those if we allow ourselves to recognize them. But God created us male and female, the two together. So when we just do the male, we're missing parts of the attributes of the Godhead. If we just do female, we're missing parts of the attributes of the Godhead. And so when male and male get together, or female and female get together in a relationship, that I'm not going to call marriage, but to get together and do those kinds of activities, it's in violation of the nature that God laid down, the nature of God. His characteristics is it's male and female, and the two become one flesh. But it's in that diversity. But see, in the Godhead, there's that diversity as well. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But it says... Let us create, in Genesis 2.23, because some of these things are like, yeah, I knew this already, but it seems like in some of the church circles today we forget the fundamentals. So in Genesis 2.23, and Adam says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. A man and a woman. Adam was the man, Eve the woman. Adam the man, Eve, the woman. Male and female. Adam, the man. Eve, the woman. Genesis 2.24. Genesis 2.24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. A man shall leave his father. A man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife. Amen to his wife. Amen 
to his wife. The wife is the female. Male and female. And then they have the role of father and mother. And in Genesis 3.20 it says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. I'm being overly specific because for some that does not seem to be a natural, logical occurrence. To understand that we do the logical link here, if you're talking about being biblically, Adam and Eve, male and female, Eve is the mother, Eve is the wife, Adam is the husband, the man's the husband, the woman's the wife, the man's the father, the woman's the mother. Now we just looked at a little bit of scripture here. It's fairly clear. They have different roles. They have different roles. There is a father and a mother role. And if we went over to Matthew 19, 4-6, because... There are some people that discount the Old Testament. I would say don't do that. It's all the Word of God, but in case you are a New Testament only kind of person and struggle with it if it's in the Old Testament, in Matthew 19, 4 through 6, and he answered, this being Jesus, and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? That's Jesus speaking. They made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. He reiterates the role. There is a father and a mother. The father and the mother have children. And the man is joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. They become combined. There's a unity that takes place. There's a unity that takes place. We've talked about in the past to you that the order of mar marriage is that is a, there's a leave, cleave, and the act of marriage. It says leave, father, mother, cleave, cling to his wife, and then the two become one flesh. And then after they have committed to one another, they have clung to one another, then they become one flesh. We could talk about the biology of it. I don't need to go into that. But we call that, for purposes of this, this consummation of the marriage, the act of marriage. And see, in the act of marriage, there's, there's activity that takes place where the woman is satisfied and the man is satisfied. And hormones are given off, much like when a mother gives birth, hormones are given off that she has this instant feeling of love for her child. And so in a marriage... 
we have that love and that commitment, but God designed it so that when the two become one flesh, there's also this biological support that the sense of belonging and clinging to the opposite sex completes that union. Because God desires a unity. See, male and female, husband and wife, but male and female are in the image of God. If we look at the image of God, we can see the roles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But we also find that they are equal, because if we look at Ephesians 5.32, Ephesians 5.32, Let me, wait a minute, I got ahead of myself. Philippians 2.6, Philippians 2.6, you can put your finger in there, we'll be back to that one in just a minute. Philippians 2.6, talking of Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That's just a scripture, but to be equal with God. Jesus equal with God. Different roles within the Godhead, Jesus prayed to God the Father. Different roles, but equal. Different roles, but equal. And in John 10, 30, John chapter 10, verse 30, I, Jesus speaking, I and my Father are one. Diversity, not equity, but diversity in the Godhead. Equality in the Godhead, but unity in the Godhead. I don't make... I don't make you inclusive. I don't make the Godhead diverse by separating something out. It's very interesting. It's got the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are together, different, have different roles, but are equal. But are in unity. They're in unity. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that that they're working together and Jesus wants to do the Father's will. But he's wanting to do the Father's will because they're in unity. And it isn't interesting that the way you bond your marriage together in the act of marriage is by fulfilling the needs of the opposite. If you want them to be bonded to you, then you help fulfill their needs. If you want them, the opposite, to be bonded to you, you help fulfill their needs, and that helps bring that unity. It's in the nature. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. God often speaks in in His Word 
in marital terms, when the Israelites cheated on God, he called it adultery. When the Israelites went after false gods and went after Baal, it was adultery. Because we're supposed to have that tight relationship with God. He wants you, he wants, he wants his relationship with you to be exclusive. Only him. One man, one woman. One and one only. God wants exclusive ownership of your heart. He doesn't want to share it with someone else. He doesn't want to share it with the devil. He wants control. He wants you to submit completely to him. Now we'll do Ephesians 5.32. Let's back it up if we could. I apologize. Verse 30. 530. We'll do verse Ephesians 5.30. 31 and 32. We'll give, her, give a minute. Thank you. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, remember seeing this before? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Whoa. This is a great mystery. But I speak of Christ and the church. Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, desires an intimate relationship with the church. He's coming again for his bride. If we, as we understand scriptures, to understand our relationships with husbands and wives, it gives us insights in our finite understanding of the nature of God. And see, he's teaching us about himself through marriage and through the family and through the way he's created things. He teaches us about that desire, that need for unity, that diversity of capabilities. Men and women can do different things. But they're together in the image of God. But the equality, even though they have different roles, but in unity, see the Godhead. I and my Father are one. We're working together. But the great mystery speaks of Christ and his church, that intimacy. When the Holy Spirit comes, when you're in sweet communion with the Holy Spirit, it's that intimacy that God wants with his church, that exclu exclusivity that he wants and he desires. We should desire to please God, desire to do the things that please God. God desires to do things that please us as we're in unity. Can you see the beauty of that in a marriage that works? He's looking out for her. She's looking out for him. He's doing things for her. She's doing things to get him. They each have unique, unique gifts, talents, capabilities, but together they're unified. Together they're one. And see how that exemplifies the nature of the Godhead? 
establishes it within the family. Because the God of Sinai set down the law. The God of Calvary with the compassion. We've talked about that. Set two ends of the table. One's more compassionate, one's more law. Can you see why the devil wants to go after the, the family? Confuse the family? Confuse? So we got the confusion of the family taking place. We got the confusion of the roles of husband and wife, as though two husbands and two wives matched the way God designed it. That's not in the nature of God. There's not diversity in that. He decided it for a husband and wife. So he's worked on the family because we're reading Scripture and the relationship and, and the nature of it and undermining that and working on the undermining of marriages. Now working on the undermining of the identity of male and female itself. taking away the diversity of the Godhead, maybe. Is that the target? Confusing our understanding of God even more? That's our roots, that's our core. It streams from that. In that book that I referenced, the Dr. Kinlaw talked about, and, and it um, related to holiness out of this, these first three chapters of Genesis, see it's foundational in creation, God said, let us, male and female, created he them in the image of God, together. So he planted on us the nature of the very Godhead, the relational nature of the Godhead, the diversity, the, the different roles, but equality, but in unity. Uh, in unity, working together. And we know if we have all those kinds of things in marriage, we got something good happening. And so everybody's chasing that. Everybody's desiring something different. But they don't want to go do it God's way. There's a perversion. There's a reprobate mind. There's a confusion out there. It's anything but God. They want to redefine God. They want to redefine Scripture. They want to take the parts that they out that they don't like. They want to equate the Godhead of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to the God of Islam or the God of Buddha or the God of the Hindu, which Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's not multiple ways. So if Jesus is not part of your theology, there's no way for you to get to heaven. There are no other ways. And so if Islam or some other say Jesus is a great prophet, how can they do that? Because he makes himself to be a... You can't call him a great prophet and him also be a liar. Because he says, I am the way. There's no other way. I am God, he says. So you either 
in for Jesus or you're out. It's just the way it is. The very nature of the Godhead is that tight relationship. Different in role, equal, and unified. But today we try to fight that. We try to fight our roles. It's very interesting that sometimes there can be jealousy about the different roles even. And that causes the disunity. Eve wanted to be like God. Now there's this fight that some women want to be like men, and men want to be like women. We need to own who God created us to be and then give it to God. And try to, instead of trying to rewrite it all in contrast, the very nature of God himself. See, we start destroying these pieces. We start destroying the mechanisms by which God explains himself to us. About the nature of the Godhead. Let's be standing together. Father and our God, we ask that you would help us today to not lose hope, do not lose determination about the truth of your word that it's male and female, husband and wife, a man and a woman in marriage together is the biblical way. That it's male and female. We have our own gifts and talents. A man different than a woman, and a woman different than a man. Help us not to lose sight of that. Help us to not be swayed by the false prophets that don't even necessarily follow the Word of God. They pervert it. Help us to realize that that's part of the core of us understanding your nature. We're thankful that you are relational and you desire a relationship with us. You knew the beauty of a relationship in unity. And you desire that for us. You desire that with us. And you desire that we have that with others. In the nature of the holiness, love the Lord your God with all and your neighbor as yourself. Help us not to lose track of it. Help us to not lose track of the importance that we don't lose our identity as a man or as a woman. And if we're married as a husband and as a wife, but even if you've called us to singleness, then we don't lose our identity as a male or as a female. Because we complete our part in the nature of the Godhead, in our understanding, in our roles as mother and father. Two mothers or two fathers do not complete the nature that you laid down to remind us. Lord, help us to be ever diligent, to not be swayed, 
but to trust in you. And that we might lead others to you. Because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that we might be encouraged to witness, but Lord, to exemplify the nature of God in our interactions with other people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe.